And here's what's crazy, right? Is all of our families, whatever your experience is like, the truth is family is actually where we learn how to do relationship. Is that not scary? <laughs> so it's in our families where we're learning how to do relationship. And then as you grow up, you realize, oh my gosh, all of life is about relationship. Everywhere you go. God's created us this way. It's like human beings are trying to figure out how to do relationship. And people who actually who do relationship well, they live life well. <laughs> And they're actually great contributors to society, right? If we can figure out how to do relationship well. But how interesting that it's in our family where we're learning how to do this. Now, let me just say something about God. This is a, um, it's been a deep, there's a verse, uh, Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. In the last few years, it's just captured me. It's just so intriguing to me about God. The verse says that he's revealed the mystery of his will, which we should go, okay, so God has a will and he's revealed it to us, and then that's purposed in Christ. So the whole reason that Jesus Christ came, which is why we're here today, God says, there's a reason and I'm going to reveal to you the mystery of my will. He goes, I want to unite everything. He goes, I'm going to unite, every, I'm going to, in other words, I'm going to bring everything together. The very will of God is to bring everything together under Christ. Now, here's another word for you. If you attach something, right, what do you do? When you attach something, you bring two things together. You join them together. And if we're going to talk about family in 2017, in fact, probably a couple weeks ago when we talked about foster care and adoption, if you're in that world at all, this word attachment is a really, really big word. It's a big word in psychology today. Here's what attachment is. It's the emotional bond. Okay, so immediately, God, what's God trying to do? He's trying to actually bring everything together. And so attachment is the emotional bond that brings you together that typically forms between infants and caregivers. It's the means by which the helpless infant gets primary needs met. Now listen, this is fascinating it then becomes the engine of, subs of subsequent social, okay, so here we are. If we're gonna have relationship, this attachment thing needs to happen, it becomes the engine of subsequent social, emotional, and cognitive development. The early experience of the infant stimulates growth, okay, and here's what we know, of neural pathways, so as soon as you're born, you come out and your brain starts developing immediately. And you guys know this, right? Those early days, it's just insane how much of who you eventually become for the long term happens in this infancy stage. You are developing neural pathways that will sculpt, very interesting word, enduring patterns of response to many things. The attachment experience affects personality development, particularly a sense of security and research shows that it influences the ability to form stable relationships throughout your whole life. So here I am, 52 years old, and somehow, when I was an infant, there was this attachment thing going on. And in those early stages of my life and your life, there was something that was supposed to be joined together. So God is doing something amazing. The very thing that we were created for by God is relationship to be joined in together. 
The very thing that allows us, as adults now, to live life to the full is to be really good at relationship, to have healthy relationships. And yet somehow it's interesting that God's plan for this to happen, because Jesus said, I came so you could have life to the full. God's all about love, right? He's all, he is love. Love means relationship. So this, that's what all this is about. Here's what's interesting to me. God designed the family to be the place where this initial stage of attachment, of joining together, of bonding, of being one would happen. So here's what I want to talk about today. We're going to talk about our natural family, okay? And then we're going to talk about how God has this beautiful picture. The natural family is a beautiful picture of a spiritual reality for every one of us in this room that can give us life to the full, okay? So let's pray and let's ask his spirit to speak to us so that we can hear his voice today. God, you love everyone in this room. I pray right now that you might even just infuse that into this room, that as your word comes today, it's gonna to be a word of love, truth and love. You do desire for us to experience the fullness of life that can come through Jesus Christ. Jesus, we worship you today. We're here today because you came so we would have life to the full. You came to reveal to us the truth about life, the truth about relationship. And I just ask that today you might help us to understand this one fascinating plan of yours, the family, and how critical it is to what we're doing. And we ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we go. First thing is the design of the family. So Genesis chapter 2, let's go right to the beginning. It says, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So far, right, God is the one creating, and every time he creates anything, he gets done, and it is it's really good. And so he creates man, and it's like, man, no, this is like really good. And then he says, but this guy alone, not good. So, in Matthew 19, Jesus says, So haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? And he said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. Interesting, right? Because what's God's whole plan? Is <laughs> to have things joined and held together, to be unified. So he goes, We're going to have a man and a woman, and then the man's going to leave, be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And therefore, what God has joined together, let nobody separate. So from the very beginning, God goes, here's my plan. I got a design. <laughs> I'm gonna create a man, I'm gonna create a woman, and then I am actually going to join them together. Here's attachment. <laughs> right? Join them together at a supernatural level. Somehow in marriage, God says, you guys got up there, you made a covenant to each other and me, but then I joined you together. So man and woman comes together, Genesis 4.1, and then Adam made love to his wife Eve. So the first thing that happens after you get married is the sexual experience that God created. <laughs> and what an unbelievable, beautiful gift and I remember when I worked with high school students for a long time, this is what I tried to help them to understand. That sex, actually, God created sex to be a super glue. 
He actually created it to be the bonding experience of your soul. It is such an amazing power. We all know this. Sex is unbelievably powerful. And you know this because when it's abused, right, when it's, when it's taken in a negative sense, the deepest damage that happens to a person is in their soul. But that way, the same thing's true. Then when it's used in God's context, the way he designed it, he goes, I'm going to bring two people together. I'm going to join you together. And now I've created the sexual experience so that your souls get joined together. You become one flesh. It's an amazing thing. And so when that happens, not only though, right, are two people, the husband and wife, joined together. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. (laughs) And gave birth to Cain, and she said, with this help of the Lord, I've brought forth a man. That must have freaked her out, right? <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, what? What's going on? So here's, here's, but here's what's true. So from this act, God is saying, what's my design? Man, woman, I will join you together, and when you do, you're going to create a new life. Fascinating. Now, and from that moment, that Cain was born, from the moment he was born, neural pathways started to form into his brain. And Eve was there. And Adam was there to create attachment so that he would know, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And his whole being and identity, just like yours and mine, happens here. Listen, this is from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It says, to develop into a psychologically healthy human being, a child must have a relationship with an adult who is nurturing, protective, fosters trust, and security. Attachment refers to this relationship between two people and forms the basis, this is, this is, It forms the basis for long-term relationships and bonds with other people. This is fascinating to me. Don't you guys love science? (laughs) See, here's what I love. I love the more science dives in and discovers things, eventually it just seems always to be in sync with the Bible. So that's why I love when science discovers more things about, about our space and, and the whole, our whole atmosphere and the universe. And then finally astrophysicists are like, okay, something designed this. And then when they discover our bodies and when they study our bodies and when they study, study our psychology, it seems to matter, to match what God was doing. And here's what God was saying. I have a design. I am love and love and wholeness and relationship is what you were created for. You're created in our image to be in relationship. So here's how it's going to work. You're going to have a mom and a dad and there's going to be attachment so you can have healthy relationships for the long haul on this planet. And if you can bond with other human beings and have good relationships, you're going to have life to the full. This is God's plan. So what does the family provide, right? Nurture. That's what we do. We, we care for our children for their development, protection, security, provision, Love, belonging, identity, you really discover. You, you, all of us, there's this innate thing of who we are because of the family we grew up in. Training, that's where our kids are getting trained and developed. So, how, so, so God cares about the family so much that in the top 10 commandments, two of them are directly in line to actually 
um, protect and guard the high value of the family, right? One is don't commit adultery then. <laughs> See, because this whole sexual immorality thing, anytime you read that in the Bible, is any sexual stuff outside of marriage. Don't do that! <laughs> he goes, that's not my will. That's not my will for you. It destroys relationship. <laughs> I'm about bringing everything together. Adultery tears everything apart. Don't do that. You'll ruin your family. And the family's where this thing happens. And then he says, children, honor your parents. Can I get an amen? All right. So, what, but here it goes. Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Okay, now, if any kids, you guys in, in the room, listen. Honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with a promise. Because if you'll do that, submit and honor to your parents, it will go well with you. And you will enjoy long life on earth. So fathers, don't exasperate your children. Don't, because what happens, exasperate, you know, you're creating intense moments of anger. Well, if you're exasperating your children, what are you doing? You're not bringing them together in relationship with you. You're chasing them off. And there's more separation. So instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Okay, so God has designed the family to help people do relationships well so that you can live well. And this is to the glory of God. It's to the glory of God when a person does a relationship well because that's what God does, all right? So that's the first thing, design of the family. So then obviously, we need to talk about number two. The dysfunction of the family. <laughs> How many of you grew up in a dysfunctional family? How many of you are in one right now? <laughs> All right. Okay. So here, it's just true, right? So, so now let's talk about this. Now let's talk so about this attachment disorder issue, okay? So let's talk about some extremes. Here's, the, here's the psychology today again. Children who have had breaks from their primary caregiver unmitigated pain, abuse, neglect, or in other ways have not had their needs met can often be impaired in their ability to develop healthy emotional attachments. So that's what happens. Listen to this. Here are some characteristics. You have antisocial behaviors like lying, stealing, manipulating, destructiveness, aggression, there's a lack of authenticity, spontaneity, flexibility, and empathy. A lack of physical affection and closeness and or inappropriate clinginess. Now, can I just ask you, how many of you just heard yourself in that list, <laughs> right? I mean, that's us, that's human beings. Some of us right now, you know, man, it's just you're clingy because there's an insecure. You didn't, you didn't have good attachment, so you're insecure, so you're looking to another person to do this, and so it's too much. Others of you, you didn't have good attachment, and so you're, you're scared of people. And so you, we have put up walls, right? And, and, and there's, there's not a closeness, and you're struggling right now in your relationships, and it's because there was dysfunction. Can I give you guys a, 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 some hope here? This is one of the reasons I really love the Bible. Did you guys know? that every family in the Bible is dysfunctional? <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's one of the reasons I love the Bible. It's like, it's just a bunch of dysfunctional family. Let's look at them. The first two kids ever born, what'd they do? Yeah, they killed each other. Does that make you feel better, parents? <laughs> right? How about the fights going on in your house? Now, I will say Adam and Eve probably didn't have a whole lot of parenting classes at that time, right? Probably didn't learn a lot. They're like, I don't know what we're doing. Obviously, your kid just killed the other one, all right? 
So we start off the first kids kill each other, and then you've got Abraham. Abraham has these two stepbrothers. Who has their name? Isaac and Ishmael. Anybody know what's going on because of Isaac and Ishmael? In 2017 today, the main conflict in our world is because of two stepbrothers. That's all here in the family. Then Isaac has two kids called Esau and Jacob. How'd they do? Well, Esau is born, and then it says, this is a quote, it says, Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. And you know what Jacob means? He cheats. <laughs> and so, so this is what happens here, right? So, uh, so next thing you know, that's what's going on. Jacob's cheating uh, Esau out of his birthright. That's family. There's your brother. And then, so finally we go, okay. Well, let's just go to David then, all right? Because at least David was a guy after God's own heart. I mean, even God was saying, look at my son David. He's a man after my own heart. How'd David do as a parent? Well, his son Amnon raped his sister Tamar, and her brother Absalom killed Amnon. So just to give you some hope. And I just think about my own family. The one that I grew up in, I would say was a good family. It was. I grew up in an overall a good family, and yet every goofy pattern of behavior that I have, which inhibits my ability to fully function well in relationship, I learned in my family. Every sense of avoidance. And now you know what's great? I'm passing that on to my children. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys applauding for? <laughs> but that's right, and that's what I'm doing. And now my kids are doing this. So why? Guys, why is, there, why is the family so dysfunctional? It's because we have earthly parents. It's because I am an earthly parent. With neural pathways, okay, I had neural pathways that were built into my brain that developed patterns of behavior. And some of them are good, and some of them are absolutely goofy. But every human being is messed up with this sinful thing. So what do we do, right? When you, when you grow up in a dysfunctional family, you're struggling to have a relationship with each other, what do we do? Well, we work to change those patterns. Literally, did you guys know this? Literally, they're discovering now with, with, uh, with science of the brain that you can change your brain. That the pathways that are in your brain, I've seen it, I've seen pictures of it. Literally, toxic thoughts can disappear, new proteins can form, and you're literally changing your brain. Which means, therefore, you can change the way you think, which can change your behavior. So what do we do? We read books, and we listen to podcasts, and we go to seminars, and we try to, I do, we try to heal our wounds. So what do you do? You go to counseling, right? I mean, I've been in counseling, <laughs> I've spent hours and hours in counseling. Six years ago, I went on sabbatical, and I met with a guy, and I told him, I said, listen, I told Susie on the way out, we drove out of here, and I said, I can't come back the way I am. <laughs> Something's got to happen here. So I met with this guy, and I said, listen, I don't know what's going on. I do know this. I'm, I'm hesitating, I'm withdrawing, and I'm avoiding. Now, you know what I know as a Christian, and especially as a pastor, that when you're a Christian, you're supposed to be transformed into the image of Christ with ever-increasing glory. <laughs> And I'm looking less like him every day. So I went to someone to say, help me, because I don't know what's going on. So we do counseling. We, we get into healthy relationships with each other. And then here's another, here's another plan. We marry the right person. 
right? Because if you find the right person, and then you realize after you married them, like they're as screwed up as I am. <laughs> so, God's design is the family to make attachment so that you know that you belong, so that you can be healthy, so you can have proper relationships, and yet every family is messed up and dysfunctional. And all of us in this room are who we are today, struggling in our relationships because of these neural pathways. So, here's the good news. God has a plan. And I'm gonna call it this, the redemptive family. God has a plan. And it's the redemptive family. Galatians 4, verse 4 says this. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son. So there's Christmas right there, okay? This is why we worship Jesus, because God was like, at the right time, I'm going to send you my son. He's born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. So let me just explain this real quick so that redemptive family can actually mean something to you. See, when you redeem something... What it means is there's something that rightfully was yours and then it gets lost and then you actually pay a price to redeem it and then you bring it back and it's yours again. This, was, this word was used a lot in, in historic warfare, right? So you'd have a soldier who's part of your forces and then he gets captured. And then what you could do is you could actually pay a price to buy back the soldier and get him back to his rightful place. That's what redeem means. And so what God is saying is at the right time, I'm going to send my son to redeem those who are under the law. In other words, you, I had rightfully, I've made this plan. I have a design of the family. But it has totally got taken away and warped. So he goes, so I'm going to send Jesus and he's actually going to purchase you, okay, the Bible says that that's the price he paid on the cross for us, is he gave the price of his life to redeem us, to buy us back, so that now we can actually belong back to God. So cool. To redeem those under the law, why? That we might receive adoption to sonship. Every one of you in this room, are a creation of God's. And you belong to him. But every one of us in this room and every human being walking this planet got separated from God. And God had to redeem us. He actually had to send Jesus to pay the price to bring us back so that we could be adopted and become his kids. <laughs> Verse 6, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your heart. Okay? So again, you guys, if you're checking out Christianity today, if you're, if you're wondering what Jesus Christ is all about, oh my, it is so much more than going to church and doing religious stuff. I'm telling you, it is literally a spiritual transformation that happens in your life. And the transformation is you were separated from God, okay? So here we have this attachment that needs to take place with our earthly father and mother. 
Well, you need attachment with God, but the problem is you're separated from him. So you have separation anxiety. So what do we do? We search constantly in this world to try to find something to fully satisfy us, to find our identity, to find our security, and to find our fulfillment. And so God goes, well, actually, I'm the one who can give you that. And so what happens is, when you do this, he goes, the spirit, I give you the spirit of my son, and I put it in your heart, in the depth of who you are as a being. And then what happens? Into the spirit of our hearts, and the spirit calls out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child, and since you are his child, God has made you and air. I don't have this other scripture up here, but John chapter 1 verse 12 says this, to all who did receive him, okay? So again, when you put your faith in Christ, you actually receive Christ. You receive his spirit, and it goes right into the depth of your being. To those who received him, to those who believed in his name, God gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And this is, I'm just going to tell you, this is what some of you in this room are missing. You might be a good person. You you you, You might be wanting God. You might even have been super religious. You might even go to church. But until you actually receive the spirit of God. See, not everyone is a child. You are a creation of God. Everyone is a creation of God. And therefore, super valuable to God. So much so that he sent his son to say, I want you back so bad because I want you to be my child. And some of you know that God maybe is your creator. He wants to make you his child. Everything changes. So cool. And this is what I love. He says, since um, the God sent his spirit, all of you. So what's true? Jesus revealed that God is a father. That there was separation and Jesus came as a savior to reconcile us back through attachment. And you, once you receive Christ, are his child, born of his spirit. Now, here's what's interesting. If God is your father, okay, if every one of you in this room who are Christian, if God is your father, then what are we? You are brothers and sisters, man. You are brothers and sisters. Look at this, Hebrews 2. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, okay, so you exist through God and for God, that he would make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed. This is so cool. He is not ashamed to call you his brothers and sisters. How cool is that? Man, you got a cool big brother. I can just tell you that right now. But here's what he's saying is, and then the spirit of Jesus gets inside every person who receives him, and now you become family. And I'm going to be totally honest with you as I thought about this this week. I don't actually see you as my brother or my sister. I I really don't. Now, I know you are, okay, because I know I've read the Bible. And here's what I want to tell you. There are so many things that we know in the Bible that we don't believe. And I'm going to tell you, man, 
You might, if you guys who grew up in church, you might know, you read the Bible, we're called brothers and sisters. But do you look at each other that way? Do you think of each other that way? That the people in this room are actually born of the Spirit of God. You guys know what the Bible says? That when the Spirit of God comes inside you, it says his seed, God's seed, remains in you. You know what that word for seed? It's the word for sperm. And so what happens, right, is that's what physical conception is. Two cells come together, create a new being. What God is saying is, when you become my child, my spirit goes inside and joins with your spirit, and I remain in you. You're my kid. And all of us in this room, you guys, the church is a family. This is a family. And we should be treating each other as brothers and sisters. Now, here's what's crazy to me is somehow this spiritual family that God's created is actually even more real than our earthly family. It's actually more profound. Our earthly family that we experience is a picture of the deeper reality that's going to be forever. How do we know that? Listen to Jesus. While Jesus was still talking, walking, walking and talking, talking to the crowd... <laughs> His mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. And someone said, hey, Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside. They want to speak to you. And he replied to him, who is my mother and who is my brother? Pointing to his disciples, to, a fisher, to fishermen and tax collectors and zealots, he points to his disciples and he says, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Yes, you know, seriously. So in heaven, it's crazy to me. Like we are going to be one family. One of the coolest things I realized with my dad when I was working through things with my dad as I go for eternity, he's not going to be my earthly, he's going to be my brother. We're going to have a father in heaven and we're all going to be a family. And so right now, that's the truth about who we are. So 1 Peter 2 says, so show proper respect to everyone, you know, fear God, honor the emperor, but love the family. <laughs> Love the family of believers. So, now what's this all mean? So when we were born into an earthly family from earthly parents, we received the sin and brokenness of our parents, and then we passed it on. <laughs> okay? And now that's what we're doing. But when you were born of God, now you have a different father. I don't have a sinful father. I have a what? I have a holy father. <laughs> I have a God who's absolutely perfect in his love. And he says, when you're born of my spirit, guess what? This is so beautiful. Romans 5.5, 5, he says, he pours his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. So now, instead of, instead of relaying the brokenness of my parents, Christians are those who have a new father who's put a new spirit inside of you so that we can actually love each other maybe in a way you were never loved in your earthly family. And so the church is actually supposed to be redemptive. The church is supposed to be the place where if you grew up in a broken family and you didn't have attachment and you're struggling how to do relationship well, you walk into a church and you receive Christ and Christ starts to transform you and the person next to you as well goes, oh my gosh, I received so much forgiveness from Christ, that's all I can do is forgive you. Wouldn't that be cool? You, you, I, I, Jesus accepted me and I am totally messed up and he accepted me. So the Bible says, so then accept each other as you've been accepted by Christ. 
See, the church is supposed to be the place where in our brokenness we come together and it's a different community because I treat you the way that Jesus treated me. And I actually can because his spirit is inside me and he's changed me. And now I can love you. Oh, you guys, this was God's plan all along. This was his plan all along. And that's why I said two weeks ago, you can't just go for an hour to church. That the beauty of the church is our relationships coming together and treating each other the way that God treated us. And that's when healing happens in our life. One of the most healing people in my life was Steve Andrews, back, my pastor back in Detroit. And you know why he is? Because that dude knows the gospel, man. He knows the love of God so deeply so he could pour it into me. I'll be honest with you. Unfortunately, too often the church is a place where our wounds actually get hit even harder. Amen? It's a bummer. But if we actually treated each other with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, the way that Jesus treated us, it would bring healing. So, where am I? Totally missed my notes. So once we receive Jesus, or the Spirit, there's a new nature. And what's crazy is, as soon as you receive that new nature, listen to this, what should it look like? Colossians 3 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all, isn't that interesting? Binds them all together in perfect unity. Yes, he designed the family. Yes, your family was dysfunctional. But yes, we are a family with a holy dad and a Holy Spirit inside of us to bring healing to each other. So let me just give you a couple quick applications. So again, a couple weeks ago, how do we, here we are, we're all gathered together, right? Hundreds of us are here, and we're a family. So how do we do this? Well, what did I say last week, two weeks ago? Love each other! So can I just ask you again, how many of you drove this morning here praying and asking again, God, please change my mindset. Instead of just coming to get something for an hour and bolting out the door, please, I'm your son, I'm your daughter, and these are my brothers and sisters. Please give me at least one person just to love. Just love each other and then serve each other, right? If we serve each other and love each other, he says that is the glory of God, okay? Like in our family, don't you want people, all your kids to have chores? Yes. And it's amazing the beauty when everybody just does their chore. And so here we are. We're a family. And so we're just serving each other. That's what we do. Now let me ask you this one. How many of you have little brothers and sisters? How many of you had little brothers and sisters? All right. So I tell you, my older brother was awesome. Mark cared for me. He, he spent time with me. He taught me. I, he was, it was amazing what he did for me. And I loved my little brother Amy. Or No, that'd be my sister. My little... <laughs> Sister Amy and my little brother Mike, it's amazing when they're little. Like, yeah, our kids will fight and stuff in the home, but a few weeks ago, somebody was picking on Caleb, and it came up, and I tell you, I thought Mariah was going to run out the door and go beat the snot out of somebody. <laughs> Why? Because that's my little brother, right? Okay, so here's one specific thing I want to I help you to realize. If we're brothers and sisters, right now, 
we have hundreds of little brothers and sisters just outside these doors. Every child that comes to K2 is your little brother and your little sister. And you know what's happening? They're at the age where their neural pathways are developing. And what's amazing is every Sunday morning, we have a chance to let them know you are dearly loved. And we get to reinforce, right, what's trying to happen at home and to reinforce and to help them have right thoughts and right patterns. Adventure Canyon from day one here has always mattered to us because we care about the family because it's God's design and because we are a family with little brothers and sisters. I'm gonna, I am really going to ask you to seriously consider, seriously consider helping out in Adventure Canyon. You know, we took a survey a little bit ago about Adventure Canyon. You know what the number one thing is people loved about it? It was the workers who were there. <laughs> you guys who just served for service, thank you. Would you guys just give them a round of applause just real quick? You guys who poured into our kids. You're awesome. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. Every worker I talk to wishes they had somebody else beside them. They're carrying the weight of 30 kids in a classroom. And they just need other people to come alongside. And maybe that could be you, okay? Watch this. Just watch these people who are serving our kids in AC. I've served in Adventure Canyon for seven years. Uh, I started serving there because I had preschoolers and I wanted to contribute where my kids were. We, we liked what we would get filled up with on Sundays, but also sort of missed that connection with other people. Uh, and we just felt like God was leading us to sort of pour into these little kids. So I, I did it more out of obligation, and then eventually just became uh, enamored with the children. I started serving because she drafted me into it. And it's been a lot of fun. I just like didn't know what was happening the first day. So I just kind of showed up and started helping with preschoolers. That was a lot of fun. We fell away from a church for a while, and then after we had our first son, we're like, we need to teach him something. <laughs> so we started going to a church, and we just saw how he just soaked it up. And he loved it, and so it just naturally, we started getting more interested and loving it too, and so. I saw that what they were doing, and I noticed that they needed more help, so I joined. You know, we've gone from you know, having third graders who can be a little bit rowdy um, and have a fun time to, to now we have, you know, kids where we're doing little prayer circles who are, who are really offering up, like, their hearts to God yeah. in prayer, and it's been really cool to see. I like that it's really just showing up and playing with kids and teaching them about God. I like how most of the hard work is done by the church staff, so I don't have to come and prepare during the week. I don't have to get the area set up that... Really, you just show up and have a good time with some great little people. A lot of it is, uh, to me, it's just about giving uh, Christ's love to the kids. It's so simple. It's, it's not complicated, and maybe that's why I enjoy it. <laughs> it feels really good to know what I'm doing and to know that I'm helping using slideshows and music and watching them dance and putting the power verse up. We're already able to see some kids really starting to connect with God, but also connect with each other and encourage each other. And I think that's been really cool. We love those kids and every one of those teachers, they love those kids and they think about those kids throughout the week. And so it's not just a, a Sunday thing for a lot of the people who serve. And I think that's comforting to me for my kids knowing that they have someone ruined for them.
those boys love men and they love Chris and I think it's really it's been really special to watch Chris like really absorb that and and take that role on and be a leader for those boys yeah. so that's special just being a dude yeah <laughs> so my husband Dave serves at church and our older daughter Emma served in Adventure Canyon and so it's just kind of a part of our family identity who we are as a family getting involved sometimes a little silly sometimes a little goofy but that's how kids that's how kids are. Getting down on your knees and being a little silly sometimes, I think, goes a long way. And the kids have fun and they want to come back. And I think that's huge. I would want them to know that church is where you learn about God and have a great time and that you interact with grown-ups who really, really care about you. You know, at the end of the day, um, the kids, you know, you step back and you reach that one kid or you see that one kid that reads a Bible verse or decides to put in a prayer request or say a prayer out loud for the first time and it's worth it. Whatever else the day brings, it's worth it. Yeah. I don't think I don't think we could be a church and honor God and not care about your family, since how he, that's how he's designed it. To support you, to encourage you, that's why we do marriage conferences, that's why we do marriage classes to help you with that. That's why we do Adventure Canyon, and it's so important. And so for us to honor your families as well, um, but now to also to honor this family, I, I, I wanna really ask as strongly as I can for every one of you to consider what's going on in your heart, and is God maybe prompting you to join that team? Man, if we thrive down there, our kids thrive, right? I loved how she said that. She goes, our kids would come in and they just absorb it. They absorb it. I remember as a pastor with my kids, man, when we had the minivan and our kids would be in the back and all of a sudden I'd hear them talking and they'd start sharing stuff about scripture. I'm like, how do you know that? Adventure Canyon. You know, it's just like, it is. It literally can help transform their lives. Okay, so when the service is over, right outside these doors in the, 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 the little lobby that we have here, Adventure Canyon team will be there. And there's lots of things. You don't have to, not everybody has to teach. There's, there's ways to just come alongside and support and help. But man, if you could come in there, that would be a great thing. And then the last thing I just want to say is this. Sunday morning, though, when we gather here, to me, it's kind of like a family reunion. I love family reunions. They're really fun. But at family reunions, that's not where my heart's getting healed. That's not, that's not where um, I'm going to the depths and experiencing love and grace and mercy where people are holding on to me and supporting me. So as important as this time is together, the only way that you can actually be family that's going to be redemptive is you've got to get your life connected to other lives in this place. So again, I just want to encourage you to jump into life together here. We have a life together table out in our big lobby Come and find the multiple ways that you can get your life. You guys, we're family, your brothers, your sisters. God wants to heal us through each other, okay? And that's a way to do that. And really, serving teams are a great way too, just to begin to meet people, just to begin to meet people and break down those walls so we can be what God's created us to be. Isn't God good, man? He designed the family so you could have life to the full. And then he redeems our dysfunctional families with the family of God.